Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and I am joined today via Zoom with, of course, the one and only Dale Dempsey, president of Elite Consulting Partners. What's going on, Dale? Hey, how's it going? Awesome. So for those of you that normally watch us on YouTube, Dale and I are usually sitting next to each other. Today, we're on Zoom, and it may look like we're not sitting next to each other, but he's actually about five feet six feet away from me <laughs> to his left. <laughs> so um, in his, well, I call an office. He doesn't call an office because he doesn't have a door. I've offered to put beads or something up in his opening, but he still says, I might says take you up on that after this. <laughs> might be never know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, but we really, really are excited because we have a, a really special guest today and her name is Claire Giesel. And she, for those of you that may not know her, she's a senior vice president and national branch manager for LPL's new, I say new, because it's still somewhat new, Linsco model, the W-2 model that everybody seems to be talking about, seems to be getting traction. And so today's call is going to be really interesting because for me as a former branch manager in a, I'll call it a brick and mortar structure, and now Claire as a sort of national branch manager in this new age, as Dale calls it, this new age branch manager, it's going to make for a very interesting conversation. So Let's just sort of jump right in. Claire, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about, about where you came from and, and what, you're doing, what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. And Frank and Dale, thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. <laughs> we'll see how you feel after this conversation between Dale and I. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And excited to speak. You know, we're going to dive right in, but that new age, old age, and marrying those together, because I really think that's what we're trying to accomplish here. So, as you mentioned, I'm our national branch manager, so directly responsible for our branch managers and our advisors in the LINSCO, so LPL's employee affiliation channel. So, before I came here back in 2021, I actually spent my entire career over at UBS, both in their home office. And a vast majority of the time out in the in the field or, you know, the brick and mortar places, as you just said, Frank. So my first role out in the field, I was assistant complex director. So the old age way of saying uh, assistant branch manager, Frank, I think that's kind of where you started your management career. Yep, yep. And also was a branch manager out in Wellesley, Massachusetts, and a complex director out in Silicon Valley, out in California. And like what I said, came here about a year and a half ago to lead our branch manager team. And it's been great. And like what you said, we've been gaining traction. So happy to be here to give you an update. So you you say your management team. Describe to me maybe what the footprint right now looks like. And then and then maybe I think we're making a big assumption that a lot of people understand what this Linsco what do you mean Linsco? I thought LPL was a 1099 independent model. What's this Linsco W-2 thing? Maybe just step back a little bit and talk about what is the Linsco W-2 model. And I haven't done, so when I first rolled out, I did an interview with Rich Steinmeier. That was back in the 
the COVID days. So it was all a blur to everybody, right? And so it may have ended up in a black hole or something. But maybe just explain to everybody, what is the Linsco W-2 model? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, when I wasn't even here yet, it was it was that podcast that really opened my eyes to what it was and saying, hey, I want to be a part of that. So it was a very good podcast back then. So how I like to describe it is like, you know, with all these affiliation models, what does an advisor get? Like, I think that's a better way of like approaching that question. So to your first point, what do they get from actual personnel support from your management team? So all of our advisors get support from an experienced branch manager team that is either myself as a player coach in the Northeast, Joshua Riss, who just started here. He supports our advisors in the Southeast, East, and the Midwest. And then we have another branch manager, Michael Walker, who supports our Allen Company advisors down in Florida as well. So you get a branch manager. You get an admin manager who serves as your key liaison and really your client associate's key liaison in terms of anything that's service or operations, you know, when we have to knock down walls to get things done for an end client. So that's what you're getting from a branch management team. The other key components of your support team that are really important to call out, which deviate from our, you know, wirehouse partners is that you'll be getting a dedicated marketing consultant. So we allow our advisors to have their own brand and we really want to have the support to have them amplify that in whatever way that they see fit. They are getting a technology consultant. So to help them dive deep into the platforms. for example, many of our advisors are using Redtail for the first time. I think you had Kate on speaking about how to optimize that from a process and systems perspective. So that's someone else on your team. And that's the key and the core team that's going to be supporting our Linsco advisors from a day-to-day basis. Got it. So essentially, they're a W-2 advisor that you help them pick out the office location. So they have their office. They have their own assistants and whatever team structure they have. But then on top of that, sort of in the old days, I call it the old days, even though there's you know, there's still W-2 offices, but but effectively somebody's coming from a, a Merrill or a Morgan Stanley or UBS or Wells Fargo, the operations team that they would normally go to in that environment, they now have you all to go to. You're just not local anymore. You just, you know, you're in your own locations, but effectively LPL is stripped out the regional director's expenses, the divisional director's expenses, maybe some other fluff that's in there in order to get them a higher payout than they would normally get as a W-2 advisor, but maybe not as high as if they were a pure 1099, because in this environment, they are W-2, correct? Yes, exactly. And exactly what you just said, like, we're putting the advisor at the center, and it's mission critical that we're putting the resources that are most important to them around them. So like what you said, we're a very flat organization. As we continue to grow and scale, that's still our vision to have that flat organization and put the most important resources in front of advisors. And those are the ones that our advisors want. So getting feedback from our early joiners on what does that look like. That tech consultant, that platform consultant, consultant is a really good example of that. 
we actually didn't have that in the model when, when I joined a year and a half back. Then we realized how valuable and that our teams really wanted someone to help them amplify their tech stack and really build that process and structure. So that's a, that's a newly created role based on advisor feedback. So it's sort of like, and you all talked about the marketing consultant, it's the same types of folks and they get to, they get to be able to do the same things as if they were independent. And the way I looked at it, and Dale and I were talking about this when we went to the LPL conference a few weeks ago, it's sort of like being being independent without operating independently. Meaning that they're independent in that they're in an environment where they get all the all the bells and whistles and the benefits of being independent, but not being by themselves because they have they have your structure, correct? Exactly, exactly, and. I think the word that you use, and I, I think it's really helpful when you think through these flavors of independence, these advisors are practice owners. So they're W-2 advisors. They own their client relationships. So that's a key differentiator and a core of their model. But this is good affiliation for an advisor who wants to focus on their end clients, their practice, their team, and have those flexibility of independence around marketing, as, as we talked about, but still want to, for lack of a better term, outsource things like real estate, operations, HR, to an experienced team that does that day in and day out. Got it. I said a thought, so, and maybe this is just sort of like a microcosm, because you haven't been there for, for decades yet. Just off the bat, what's been the first thing that has really come out to you that separated what the experience was for the advisors where you previously were versus today? What's the big difference? If, if I'm an advisor thinking about, okay, well, I know what my management team does for me, does with me today. How is that any different at Linsco Private? How does, is there a big separator? I don't know. Yeah. So maybe it's helpful just to go like a little bit into like kind of how my experience was. You know, I, I like to say that I grew up in the field. I was never a financial advisor. So if you're a good branch manager, you know that you have to provide value to the advisor or you're not going to like your job for, for, for lack of a better term. They're going to let you know about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And not being an advisor, I think, and when I signed up for the job, I, you know, when I became an associate branch manager, I didn't realize how much that was going against the grain. So when I started, there were not that many millennial females in the role, but I think what was really going against the grain was that I wasn't a financial advisor. So my leadership philosophy has always been, you listen first, Our, my client is the advisor. And that's, and that's how I've grown up. That's how I've supported my advisors day in and day out, irregardless of what firm I have been to. And that's critical. So as we are building out this branch manager team, you have to have that mindset, especially here, because that's what we're trying to build. We want to provide value and amplify, enable our advisors to do what they want to do for their end clients. And that is our only mission. So I think one critical thing that's really, really important is that our branch manager team, and I tell a recruit this pretty much in, uh, on the first meeting, we are measured by advisor satisfaction through something called a net promoter score. So they get to tell us 
how we are adding value. And that's what drives our decisions, our compensation, and all of that. And I think that's a really important shift from what used to be and what is. And our job is to view that advisor as an end client and to help support their business and to help them build that roadmap. That said, teams will look to us to be their coaches to help build that roadmap, what's most important to them and whatnot. So my role as a branch manager differs from team to team to team depending on what their needs are, you know, in their business. And that's kind of the mindset. So I hope that I hope that helps explain, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here. So your your initiatives and your bonuses aren't tied to new checking accounts, you know, firm initiatives in terms of stuff like that, or, or like it back in the day for me, well, I had a very similar philosophy when I was a branch manager, my sister manager, branch manager was really, you know, do what I can to help my my advisors grow. And to your point, when I switched over from an advisor to a manager, some of my buddies were like, what are you doing that for? And, you know, why are you growing a book of business if you're going to be a manager? And I said, because I don't want to be, no, no, no offense. I don't want to be the, the manager that's never had a book before, right? I want to be a manager that said, hey, this is what I did. I did it really well. And this is why you should be able, you should listen to what I have to say in terms of coaching and developing. But, you know, as, as the years went on, unfortunately, a lot of the firms now look to managers for firm initiatives, recruiting, right? Not look, I'm a recruiter and I was good at it. But the reason why we were put in a position to have to recruit is because our metrics to our bonuses were all tied to things that were solved through being a good recruiter. New accounts, new this, new number of new plans, net new asset flows, things like that, that were all tied to recruiting. And your role really is just to service those financial advisors and be their support, be their coach, be their leader, the way a manager should do things. Like back in when I was at Smith Barney, that was our initiative. Be a great manager, be a great leader, right? Recruit one or two good people a year and, and, you know, and, you're, and you're good, but take care of your people first. Don't lose anybody, right? So that's your, that, that's your role. So what do you see... Now, if you don't mind me jumping in here, you know, when you, you must talk to, you know, obviously they, you talk to potential advisors that are, that are looking to join Linsco. Do you come across an advisor where they're looking at, at the independent side of LPL and then at the same time, they're looking at the Linsco side of LPL and trying to make a decision? It's question number one. It's a, just a yes or no answer, right? And in your mind, why do you see them sort of weighing the Linsco model slightly higher? Like, what are the top three reasons why they decide that's the model I'm going to go to versus straight independence? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say, you know, the lead consultants of the world and then even our recruiting team does an excellent job of helping consult on what all these options look like. So typically when I'm getting looped into a conversation, sometimes the recruit is still considering their different options or it's very clear, you know, that consulting side of things is, has already been done. But what we do see, I think, you know, you said the top three reasons, so the top three trends of what we're seeing. One of the biggest trends is those multi-generational teams where you may have those 
younger, more junior advisors most interested in a fully independent model, but trying to to understand, you know, for a five or seven person team, what makes most sense for them now. And at LPL, you know, if you're in Linsco and in 10 years from now, you want to go fully independent, you want to launch your own RAA, we're going to help you get there. So if this if this model becomes a landing pad for some people into independence, I'm we're all for that and and we want to help to continue to support our teams through what that life journey looks like. So we want to meet the advisors where they're at and during a, a life cycle and a team, the moving between affiliations I think is going to become more and more common. So that's the first trend there, that multi-generational team. And then I think the second advisor is the advisor that they've heard about the trends of independence, they've listened to your podcast or whatnot, they want to learn more, but then when they start learning, they realize that those are the things that they're not passionate about. So so that's we really want to peel back that onion and help understand, okay, what's going to make an advisor the most happy? And sometimes that's full-fledged independence. Sometimes that's strategic wealth. I know you had Kimberly on your podcast. And sometimes that's Linsco. Not passionate about real estate, not passionate about HR. No, don't want to form my own LLC. This is perfect because you're giving me my definition of independence. And that's really to own my client relationships and not be subject to firm mandates. So I just met with a team. A uh, large team, couple of principals, and the advisor on the team was just hammering his firm about their policies and all these things. And and one of the things they were talking about is that all the branding and marketing is all based on the firm and not the advisor. And they said, well, that's because the firm is trying to wedge, put a wedge between you and your clients. And so when you go independent, whether it's LPL or any other firm for that matter, independence, you know, it's all about you. And your client that relationship, and so this is interesting because it allows an advisor that's maybe to your point here not ready to be fully independent, right? They're not ready to take. I'm not going to say training wheels, but they're not ready to take take complete control of their business. They can give it to you, and what you're saying is they can then sort of leapfrog, which was the expression I used with Rich. They can leapfrog from from Linsco to another month, one of your models. Right, and you have LLPL has multiple models, sort of further further down the independent spectrum of control. That's interesting. So you mentioned HR, and I can't understand why people aren't passionate about HR. But just kidding. I know exactly why they're not passionate about <laughs> HR. But when you're W two with Linsco, do they have to get their own benefits package or like 401k and healthcare and all that stuff, or do they access LPL? Yeah, so they are accessing the LPL benefits package. So healthcare, dental, vision, 401k match, that's really important because the, the match is pretty high here. So all of that is included in the bundles offering. Awesome. Like what about new account opening, like operationally? So a day in the life, right, of an advisor, it's a couple of advisors and maybe a junior person and, and two assistants. When it comes to sending wires and opening up new accounts, is the assistant doing that with LPL's back office support or do they have your team to do it? So basically, functionally, what do you all do on a daily basis for these advisors and how many of them are there right now? 
around the country? Yeah, great question. So we have just shy of 60 advisors and that that number changes rapidly, even by day sometimes. So that's where we're at now. We're on track to have over 100 advisors into that Linsco Linsco chassis by the end of Q1 2023. So that's where our, our predictions are right now. So you wanted to talk about, you know, operations and like, what does this actually look like for that client associate, the end client, you know, the advisors, where are they getting that help and support? And, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, we spend a lot of time coaching our advisors and doing things, but like an advisor wants to make sure that's easy to do business for their end client. That's table stakes, that operational excellence. And that's, our responsibility to support that to make it as easy as humanly possible to do business. So we do have a we have a dedicated service team. So when when our client associates are calling into the service center just with basic questions and whatnot, they're getting the same people. So they're actually developing a relationship with those associates, which is cool and unique. It was it was something that I was not used to before I got here. And obviously we have a very deep partnership with that service team to continually improve to make this easier to do business here. And then you also, you still have your dedicated um, admin manager. So that's led by our national admin manager, Annika Polanco. She has a deep experience in service operations, and she spent her entire career at LPL. So she knows how to navigate the back the back office. So consider Annika's Team. They're the team that is going to help support, get your client associate trained and acclimated to the firm. And if you're hiring a new client associate, it's going to be her team that helps you source who's the right person and get them up and running. That's not going to be your responsibility. That's going to be our responsibility. We collaborate on that, of course. And Annika's team is also you know, that team that's going to help support any service or operation. So what we like to say is like, the moment you feel stuck in the mud, call Annika, call Jenny, let's help you problem solve what you're trying to get done with for that end client. So did I pick up on this that you have your own service so LPL uses like in the, in the strategic wealth model, they use these the term pods, right? So are you saying that you have your own Linsco pod of service folks so that people, I know this is sort of a misnomer that people feel like, oh, the LPL is so big, there's an 800 number and you know you never get the same person. What you're saying is your 60 plus and growing advisors get this service team that only services that group of advisors primarily. Exactly. And that's really important when you're thinking about, you know, this industry is always changing. It's always evolving. So we use that, I hate like phrases and stuff like that, but upskilling. So when we see general trends happening, hey, our advisors might have been at focus. They might have learned about X. And we know that a lot of our advisors are interested in X. We got to loop in our service team because calls might be coming in about the operational component, about something that they're trying to do to grow their business. So having that dedicated team is important so we can spot these themes and make sure that we all stay really coordinated to, again, support our advisors. That's really interesting because I was going through some quick math, mental math in my head. I'm going, okay, wait a minute. So in my one branch, I had 
I don't know, let's call it 150 advisors. And I had, it was me, it was an assistant branch manager, it was business development manager. And I had, let's call it four service folks. We had some operations people, but we had four service folks. You have more than that with half the advisors, with yourself, with Annika, with some of the service people, plus all the LPL service folks in the home office. So the ratio to service service support to advisors seems pretty high. So that's just an observation. It's not really a question there, but just an observation because it gets thinner and thinner in the, right? The average production, you know, back in the day, right? It was, oh, well, you know, it's 1.5 million per assistant. Then it was 1.7. Then it was 1.8. And sometimes it's 2 million per assistant. So this seems to be a very high, I guess they're taking some of the, the resources that would normally go to a regional or a divisional director of sorts and putting that into, again, service, higher payouts and servicing those advisors. So, Can I just touch on one, one thing? Because you mentioned another advisor pain point that we were really looking to, to solve when building Linsco, and that is that CSA support ratio. What does it look like? We wanted it to be transparent. So actually, when advisors sign their comp plan, when they come here, they actually see the grid of our CSA support ratios and what hurdles they have to cross to get the next CSA. So we want to take that mystery out of there, make it transparent. It was a really important part of it. And there's a grid, you know, happy to, you know, connect with you offline on that. But I think the key point is when you're doing a million dollars of production, you're going to get your own dedicated CSA. Yeah, that's, that's important. Jumping around here, just maybe a little bit, Home office visits for existing clients, prospective clients. Do you do stuff like that? Because I was going through some of the things that I know maybe are separators, firms claim are separators. Is that something that that advisors can tap into? Yes. So we always, there's very rarely a recruit that joins without doing a home office visit. You know, their preference on whether they want it to be virtual or go to San Diego and Fort Mill. And me or one of the branch managers is is always a part of that. So we get to start developing that deep relationship with the advisor team. You keep saying branch manager, but actually, is that entirely accurate? Because I want to say you could work from home officially at Linsco Private or am I off? Yeah, so we we use the term branch manager, but you're you're absolutely right. So like our our virtual advisors, we have a work from home offering and we've done different things to make that differentiated. They will still have a dedicated branch manager to help them support and grow their business. But I think where Dale's going with this, and this is, you know, there are some, so somebody can actually be, someone can work from home. There's, listen, there's a lot more, we all know, there's a lot more advisors working from home than ever before, primarily because of COVID and all that good stuff, right? But what you're saying is that an advisor can still work from home and be W-2 at the same time. That's very interesting. And that's, that's a good pickup from Dale on that one, because I think there's some people that they like the whole, the idea of being W-2. They just, for whatever reason, don't have interest in going to an office ever again, right? They like working from their home on the beach or by a lake or something. And I'm sure you're happy to visit those offices. Yeah, we have someone who lives pretty close to an office, but is actually work from home, doesn't want to go into the office, obviously meets clients in person, but does not want to, when they're just on their computer, they have a whole work from home setup that we we help support as well. 
you have to visit the, I mean, I, I kid about the whole, when I was a manager, I had a couple of advisors that had approved work from home locations and I had to go visit them once a quarter, right? How does that work in your world? Yeah. So there are, of course, audit. So we do register the homes as branches, you know, to fulfill our, our regulatory needs. So there is a cadence on where we need to, where our supervisory team needs to visit those those offices and and just ensure that the proper signage and things of that nature are in those offices. But we help we help set that all up so the advisor does not have to worry about any of that. So you're not having to go to their their house once a quarter, or are you? Not once a quarter, no. Okay. What about their assistance? So you have you said million dollars per assistant. The assistants are in the, so the two scenarios, right? Brick and mortar office. So you'll actually hire an assistant for that advisor, assuming they don't, they're not coming with one, right? Let's just assume they're not coming with one. You'll actually source and hire an assistant for them and pay for them. Yep. So if you're not coming with your client associate, we're going to work with you, figure out what's most important, work on timing and game plan and source and hire that person. We also see that trend of advisors, they might want to sit in one of our permanent office locations. So we have 25 permanent office locations. They're either being, they've already been built and advisors are sitting in them or they're being built right now. And some advisors don't care if their CSA is right outside their office. You know, that's the trend that we're seeing after COVID. So some teams are saying, I just want the best. I don't care where they sit. And we're able to to flex to that and 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 find the right hire. So we ask, we ask the advisor, is it important for your CSA to be in the office five days or one day? Like, what does that look like? And that goes into our, our hiring process when we're helping hiring for teams. Interesting. That was going to be one, one of my other questions was, where do the assistants you know, sit in the office? So if someone works from home and they're W-2, you can have them in, in an office. So they're W-2, they have a brick and mortar office. What are their concerns about you knock on their door one day and saying, hey, you know, hey, Dell, just need you to make some room here because we're bringing in another team. You may or may not know them. You may or may not get along with them. They're in your marketplace. I know that sometimes advisors are get a little bit wigged out with that stuff, but what kind of control or influence is probably the better word influence does an advisor have to add other people to that location if it's an LPL owned location? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the the biggest trends that we are seeing is because these advisors are going to be, think about it, they are going to be co-locating with other advisors. So we're having these anchor tenants join these offices and these teams are, they talk to us and they say, hey, we want to help you actually fill this space with people that we know are great advisors and client focused, all of that thing. So we see a lot of FA referrals and, and whatnot. And I think your first question was kind of around like, do we have any struggles with we're going to be kicking advisors outside their office and whatnot? Of course, we're being really thoughtful on where we're putting these teams because we don't want to be moving people. That's incredibly disruptive. We've all we've all been there. It doesn't feel good or whatnot. So I mentioned before like transparency, like this type of office is for X production. This type of office is for X production and making sure that like none of that mystery is there and that we're really having that collaborative relationship with our team. Just to 
think about this in a different way because we'll run across this every once in a while. You have an advisor or team that for some reason doesn't get along with another advisor or team. Sometimes there's some solutions and maybe it's never even come up before, but you know, if it has, is it a solution where you have two separate Linsco offices because the economics work so well, you have two separate offices in the same, in the same town? Yeah, we, we could, we have not crossed that bridge just yet, but yes, if the economics makes sense and we have a whole real estate decision and model about how much production and where we build and all of that, the economics makes sense. Like we're going to want to listen to the, those advisors needs and culture, like you are co-locating advisors, like culture is paramount, like when you're doing that. And it's really important that like we work with our advisors and not those 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 situations like when i was at smith barney that was a big deal for us where you know it was more about retaining the advisors that you had versus recruiting somebody new you know and, and i had situations where i've had i would have an advisor tell me hey if you ever recruited that team you know from that firm will leave and i would look at the economics and go okay so this team that i have here started as trainees and they're doing four or five million dollars a year so why would i want to lose them overpaying for a team that I'm not going to make money off for seven or eight years. So at, under Smith Barney's world, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about that, right? I could retain my more profitable advisors. But you made a comment about economics and building out a branch. Are you only doing build outs or do you or will you do a build out, meaning you're taking raw space and you're building it out or renovating or whatever? Are there situations where you would just take down temporary space or executive suite type space? Yeah. So we have a global contract with one of the, the leaders in that executive type space. So we do have some of our teams sitting in offices and that might be temporary or that actually might be permanent depending on what the team's production is and, and where they are, they are located. But we are absolutely focused on also building out our permanent real estate footprint um, across across the, the nation. And that's where I was taking a look this morning. You know, we have we have about 25 offices in build or or already have completed build. That's interesting. You know, I advisors that are listening to this and you're trying to, you're probably saying to yourself, hey, this is all great, but what does it cost? Right? That's usually how we say it's not about the money, but it's about the money. And what Dale and I have seen, and Dale, maybe you can speak to this, or obviously, Claire, you can too. This is more of an economic conversation. And as an advisor, former advisor, I'm always an advisor. That's where I go with these things. You know, from what we've seen, when you look at the grid for a Linsco advisor that's in the, I'll just say, ranges between the mid to high 50s to 60s, that's really good considering what you're getting versus if you were to go, and yes, it's W-2. But versus if you were to go and you were, say, a million-dollar team or maybe smaller than that, trying to go and build out your own branch with all that support and everything, your payout is going to be probably in the low 60s anyway, high 50s. So economically, I think LPL did a, a tremendous job in setting up that bar. And when I talked to Rich about it, and, and if you guys can go back and look, at, look up that podcast with Rich. I think one of the things they were very careful about is essentially making it like a revenue neutral, as much as you can say revenue neutral. I know everybody that's been an advisor for a long time is rolling their eyes, 
there's no such thing as revenue neutral. But it was pretty close because LPL is a public company and they couldn't have a huge disparity between the economics that LPL gets on a on one platform or another. But you know, for those advisors listening, you know, your payouts are very competitive. This is not like, you know, hey, you're gonna go there and you're gonna get a 45% payout. These are real payouts that are just as good as if you were going to go independent and do all the heavy lifting yourself. And the economics on the transition are very aggressive, similar to what they might be if you were going to go to a, re, a wirehouse type firm. So I think that this is a great model. Dale, if you want to add anything to that, because I know that you get, you get into the weeds with some of these clients. So, so I did a pro forma recently. I mean, thinking about this. And one of the things that came up, and I was a little surprised because I haven't heard it in a while, was, oh, well, you know what? There was actually two things. One, you get paid to do financial plans. And there's a bunch of firms out there that'll pay you a little bit extra to do financial plans. And I think it's a good thing to do them in general where, as, as needed. But then two, this is really the question, Claire, council trips. And they made a decision. Economics were pretty close, but they made a decision based on these factors that I didn't think were as important, but I guess all things equal, if that's the separator, sure. Has has LPL thought that through? Is there anything like oh, that? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So your your first point, you're absolutely right. Any LPL advisor can charge for financial planning and that rolls to our grid. So we have a lot of teams that came from prior firms. They couldn't charge for financial planning and now that's a new revenue stream for them. So that's been really cool to see. We also allow our advisors to pick what financial planning software they're using. We have a whole consulting team that helps guide them to the right choice. Your second point around recognition trips, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's a myth that we have to demystify. So all LPL advisors have the opportunity to qualify for our level of club counsel, including our Libsco advisors. So very similar at other firms. I went to my first recognition trips to celebrate the success of some of our advisors this year. They're very similar to what's at at a wirehouse. So we absolutely have that. That's not actually even Linspo specific. That's broadly within the LPL confines as well. So that's tremendous. So basically you're getting all of the good things that a wirehouse retail firm, I say retail, your retail wirehouse firm is, is offering you, but really the flexibility and freedoms that they might want, but not have to do the heavy lifting of an independent firm. I think it's, look, when you all first came out with this and I did the interview with Rich, I said, this was a game changer in my opinion. I think it's starting to catch on. More and more advisors are are looking at it. Some of them might be saying, hey, this sounds too good to be true. You know, what's the catch kind of thing? Like, what's the catch? And I think it's, you know, look, it's a slightly, you're at LPL, which is an independent oriented firm. And your, you know, your payouts are a little bit lower. But as I mentioned, if you go through the economics and the performance like we do for our clients, it's not that much different for what you're getting. So, you know, I really, Claire, I really appreciate the time you're spending here. We went over a little bit because we could keep going on this. There's so many questions because having someone like you on, and I'll say that you're not a salesperson, right? But you're not the recruiter. You're in the weeds. You're doing it. You're a player coach. So you're, you're working with the advisors every day, which it was, so it's great to have you on here, you know, just in sort of in closing, you know, what would you say, you know, if, if to the listeners out here that are considering this as an option, you know, what would, what would sort of like the parting words for them be in terms of making the decision to affiliate with the Linsco model 
versus where they are today, maybe at a UBS or a Merrill or wherever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing, and I, I touched upon it before, is at LPL, our end clients are our advisors. And it feels really refreshing to be a branch manager with that core philosophy and that all of us live and support advisors in that way. So that's that's really fun. So I always get compliments from our teams. They say, everyone I talk to is is so happy and they want to help. And, and that's a really cool culture. So I think that's number one, no matter what affiliation is appropriate for you at LPL, you're going to get that culture here. And then the second thing I would just leave behind is that this space is always evolving, digging deep with an elite consultant, any type of recruiting partner to help sift through all of these different nuances is critically important. And then taking that information and, and sitting down and saying, hey, what's best for me and my, if you have a team, my team to make a move? Where am I going to be the most happy? And what type of affiliation model does that look like? And I think when people do that deep due diligence and take a look at it, it becomes clear about what business affiliation makes most sense. And that we're a firm that's going to give you, we're going to meet you where you are in your business. And we want to support you through all of those life cycles. So that, that podcast we did with Rich, not a lot has changed. And you know we're one of the few firms that, out, that, that are here that you're not going to walk into a store and only see red shirts. You're going to have an option of a tie-dye shirt, a green shirt, or whatever you want and whatever fits you know, your end clients and your business at the end of the day. Awesome. We really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Dale, thanks for putting this together. I know that you were a huge proponent of this and getting this together. It was tremendous. I'll call myself the old school manager versus the new school manager, which is a high compliment to you, Claire. So thank you again. For those of you looking for information, as always, don't forget that you can always call Dale at 856-316-4653, or you can shoot him an email at dale at eliteconsultingpartners.com. And if you really want to, you can call me at 856-316-4651. We'll be happy to help you and happy to get in touch with some folks over at LPL. And if you want to talk to Claire, because you have some more specific questions, we'd be happy to do that as well. Claire, we really appreciate it. This was tremendous, so much so that we, we definitely went over. High praise to you again. Thank you very much for your time. This is tremendous. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for the listeners. Don't forget, if you want to watch us on YouTube, you can go to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa on YouTube or just listen to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like and subscribe. Forward it to anybody that you feel like might want to learn about this model or any of the other, other podcasts that we have. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast.